A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you showing man? <laughs> we may not have had the momentous Irish sporting day many of us were hoping for on Saturday with Katie Taylor and the Leinster rugby team both beaten, but the very next day, Evan Ferguson lifted the spirits with two goals for Brighton that sent them into Europe for the first time in the club's history, took his tally for the season to 10 goals in all competitions since coming into the team mid-season and offered a timely reminder that some momentous Irish football days may not be too far away if he realises his potential on the international stage. Welcome to Monday's Second Caps Football Podcast. Hey, guys. Hey, yo. Oh, how's how it going? Ferguson's improvement has been incredible, says his manager, Roberto De Zerbi. He's playing like an old player. But he is only 18. <laughs> like an old player. I presume he means that in the nicest possible way. Yeah. An experienced a slightly older player. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like playing a like a 24 year old. Exactly. He's not quite uh, at the end of his career just yet. You know, he's had a couple of injuries already this season, so it's nice to see him bouncing back yeah, before the end strong. of it. Mm. I really like the, uh, the two goals were brilliant. I mean, I know the first goal goes through the goalkeepers. You can say, well, this is a goalkeeper. But look at the way that he takes the ball from McAllister. And he already knows what he's going to do. He's like, I have space to shoot here. They seem quite casual about this situation. Takes it, uh, controls it, and then a really quick touch to get it out from his feet and then just whacks it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what? Uh, it's, it's, some, it's good to hear a ball hit the net that hard, yeah. having gone through a goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The second goal also was brilliant. I mean, it was Matoma's. Yeah, you've got to give Matoma some credit for some, setting I mean, up some. That. But what, a, you know, to, to, to be there, you know, he's keeping up with Matoma all the way and then to steer the finish into the corner is absolutely brilliant. So This um, is it. And bearing in mind the circumstances, because Brighton have been running out of gas. I mean, a couple of. Just well, they, they're, they're, every second game. I know, I know. Consistency yeah. is, is what's gone, really. They still ha- they'll still hockey a team, no bother. Mm. Yeah, they'll, they'll stick six goals on someone if they want. But then they'll also get beaten 5-1 by Everton. Was that 5-1? Mm. Yeah. What a remarkable result that that's what keeps Everton up. 4-1 <laughs> by Newcastle as well, likely, of course. Yeah, and then they always do come back then and, and generally win the next win the game afterwards but my point is there was a lot that you saw by how jubilant the scenes were afterwards how much was at stake for Brighton getting it done with a little bit to spare and now they're talking about Deserby saying we need to get into the Europa League forget about the Conference League Brighton's too big for the Conference League we're going for the Europa League proper the fact that Ferguson is 18 years of age and is as calm as he was in those situations and just as confident that of course if chances fall to me 
I'll bury him. And I agree with you on that first finish. I actually thought that was the, the more impressive one because the second one was uh, was more obvious what he, it was. He had a, to it do. was an easier chance, which he made to look easier than the, it was. The, the first one was just exactly. It's the intent, and I don't think goalkeepers like that when a player who can hit a ball hard shifts it out of their feet early and takes a shot on. I saw him being compared. Kane is the most common comparison in the last in the first few months of his career, but I saw Shearer pop up mm. over the weekend. That certainly would have been a an Alan Shearer move to get the shot off early and hard. Um, I'll take either of those comparisons. Yeah, to be fair. either of those will be fine. Uh, some of the things he did reminded Premier me more of Rooney, actually. Uh, his kind of style. Some of the, the shots. He's Has he scored a long-range shot yet? He's he's hit the so. bar a couple of times yeah. with them. There was one particular, was it against Everton, the, the game that he got injured in? Yeah, he hit a dinger against the bar there. That was um, kind of a long-range shot, the first goal, yes. Okay, so we've name-checked the three top goal scorers in the history of the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> Very short. Not getting to yeah, yeah, all yeah. the top about this lad. Yeah, but there he uh, is. Now he's a bit bigger than than Rooney, to be fair. Uh, um, but he's the player who, and uh, I mean, not just because I, s- I saw him talk about how Wayne Rooney is his hero. You know, someone can be your hero and you not be anything like them. It's true. Why are you looking at me like that for? <laughs> am, am I supposed well, to be my hero? Well, I don't. Like what? Like Florence Nightingale? Well, wasn't sure. We, we only had Ronnie O'Sullivan. Mean, that doesn't mean. That, you know, I share a love of, you know, medicine. I would have been surprised to hear that Ronnie O'Sullivan idolised Steve Davis, for example, when you would think that yep. the Hurricane Higgins or Jimmy White would have been yep. the ones. But there you go. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The title is Manchester City's. The Champions League race will probably be done before the final day if Man United get even a point against Chelsea on Thursday night. So things are fizzling out somewhat. It looks like uh, which one of Leeds and Everton, these great clubs, go down. That might be the major question to be decided on the final day of the season. So we're going to jazz up our coverage of the final week on the World Service by finally pitting Ken and Damien Delaney against one another in a no-holds-barred debating death match on the subject of whether Trent... Very niche subject (laughs) of whether Trent Alexander-Arnold in midfield is the future for Liverpool. Cheap, 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 cheap. Yes, that was Ken's reaction when Damien had to rain check a couple of weeks ago. Cheap, 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 cheap. That's puerile, infantile, and it did the trick. Damien Lady appears this week. Damien will be on this week. That's for members only. Secondcaptains.com. Five euro a month plus VAT if you want to become a member. What else happened over the weekend, Ken? Man City are champions, I guess, is one obvious starting Nottingham Forrester, Premier League team. Yeah, what a few results. days it's been for West Ham United, by the way. There you go. Uh, these are these are great days. 
for West Ham United. Um, from I don't know if you saw the Conference League <clears throat> on Thursday. They beat Al- well. They didn't beat Alkmaar. They got past Alkmaar uh, as at Alkmaar to get to the final. Uh, but there was then this incredible Helms Deep uh, scene of heroics in the stands, where Nolsey, the now legendary West Ham fan, single-handedly beat back an onrushing horde of AZ Ultras who according to legend were trying to get in and attack the players' families and in fairness there was a bit of this going on because I also saw like Lucas Paqueta Im- embroiled in like a full on fight with you know this this was like a, a proper scene of, mm. of disorder that was happening because a few of the a few of the West Ham players went in to because their family yeah. were in there to try to well help they, they the didn't know about Nolsey, Nolsey. About that. see they didn't know the, the mountainous of figure of Nolsey at the top of the stairs just Belting everyone who came. It really was. <laughs> it, was it was a hell of a scene. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Hodor. <laughs> no, nobody could get past this guy. Uh, he he is a folk hero. Uh, you know, I saw people sort of say, "This guy should lead the players out at the end of the yeah. season." Yeah, yeah. And he should. He should. He definitely should. There's not enough of that in football these days. Uh, there, yeah. And then West Ham. I think you know the spirit of he Nolsey. has been milkshake doctor. I think over the weekend. I because I that was my concern about Nolsey. no, no, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. But he, uh, the West Ham then obviously uh, battered Leeds, poor Leeds. Leeds scored a goal uh, from a uh, a nice goal, um, volleyed in directly from a corner, from a throw, I should yeah, say. Yeah, which you don't see happen too often. No. I saw Michael Cox. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Oof, Ronnie Whelan, mate. That's exactly what I clicked on. It was the first reply. Oh, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yes. We, 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 we don't remember. forget, do we? We remember. Yeah. But yeah, uh, they. I mean, did you? There, there was quite a good moment also with Sam Allardyce the five trying out. to pay off the linesman or whatever. Um, but no, it looks as though Leeds are uh, are screwed because I think Everton are going to get away with it again. I think Everton are probably going to get away with it. I think they're going to get away with it. Every point in the Premier League is hard earned. Well, so when the, the, the tallies come in, the situation we'll here is sorry, is just that Everton are two points clear of Leeds at the moment. Everton just outside the relegation zone, and the goal difference—they're three goals better off. Mm. And they've Bournemouth on Sunday. So Leeds, yeah, Leeds, Leeds need to win about, basically. The Everton just need to win, and they're playing Bournemouth. Leeds need to win and hope, unless they win by a, a landslide, they would have to hope that Everton lose. Don't win. They need a better result than Everton. Um, well, more than that, because even if Everton got a draw, they'd be okay on goal difference between the two. Unless Leeds won by a few goals. Well, there's two in points the in them, game. so Leeds have to win. Regardless. Yeah. No, Leeds have to yeah. win regardless. It's yeah. just what Everton would have to do in that situation. Leicester's still in it as well, obviously. Like, you know, if they were to somehow get a result against Newcastle tonight, they're another point back from Leeds. But they've got the two games left, including this game in hand. Yeah. It's likely they'll lose and be almost in. So, yeah. A three goal win for Leeds against Tottenham would be enough if Everton only drew. Yeah. That would that would do it. That would be a spectacular way to stay up. All they need to do is beat Tottenham by three. And Tottenham, Tottenham have wanted this season to be over for a long time, Mm. you know, uh, and 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 got completely well destroyed by Brentford and and Bumo. Um, There was two great goals in that game, and two kind of ah, mm, not great goals. Mm. Um, Where Tottenham made mistakes. Anyway, I suppose we should talk at at this point about. Manchester City. I do just want to reiterate the point that this I made somewhat tongue-in-cheek maybe a couple of weeks ago, but this is Harry Kane's best ever season in the Premier League. To score 28 goals in a brutal team where his attacking support players have 
become shadows of themselves mm. and there's no defensive structure and managers are leaving and all sorts going on maybe he just really really wants to get out of there <laughs> he wants to remind Manchester United or whoever it is that he's still as good as God but to score 28 goals is, that, is this his best scoring season now he's just won no. off his best scoring season he scored 29 in 2017 it would he be absolute in, in golden boot material in any other season yeah. before the arrival of a certain Manchester City player which leads us on Ken to the champions once again the champions uh, yeah, Manchester City, uh, the champions. Um, uh, big pitch invasion at the Etihad, as, <laughs> as is tradition. Um, they were warned against it this time. Yeah, because of the 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 ugly scenes on last year, the the disturbing scenes when uh, one of this. I mean, it was a pitch invasion, which is mm. you know fine, but then one of the fans started attacking the Villa goalkeeper Robin Olsen which wasn't fine that is one of the reasons that authorities don't like pitch invasions it's happened in the GAA at Croke Park players getting well authorities don't like pitch invasions because pitch invasions are people being excited and you know doing the stuff of excitement it's great and the the authorities can't control it that's why they hate it (laughs) Uh, it's true I mean you you know you don't get I mean it used to be a normal kind of a thing you know even at the World Cup final you know, if you think of Maradona or Pele being carried around on the shoulders of, like, pitch invaders. Um, we saw, of course, uh, Napoli. Uh, the yeah. Like, they won the, the Serie A away. Uh, yeah. That was... That was an intimidating one. It was quite intimidating. It's like, I think you should give me your jersey, Napoli player. And those shorts while you're yeah. at it. No, I'm going to actually... You know what? I'm going to take that jersey, in fact. <laughs> so you're just going to take it off. And give it to me right now. Jesus, you're, Jesus, you're in serious shape. Yeah, is it? I don't know. I mean, it's uh, these things have all been corrupted now. I mean, people looking for the for the clothes of the Napoli players are are they? You know, is is are, is this pair of shorts going to get mounted on the wall of of some little uh, restaurant in, in Naples? You know, in, in a frame, probably. Or is it going on eBay to? You know what I mean? Like, there's there's always this kind of everyone in the city pitch invasion yesterday was filming themselves. Now I know to talk about this is like the most the the biggest cliche of all time you know it's like look at everyone you know no phones just living in the moment it's like a, it's a mm. cliche from several years ago you know <laughs> but like still when you see everyone kind of running on and filming it you're like this is that's why that's why this is happening now mm. you know what i mean it's like it's for content. they might as well just it's wear for content. The, they might as well just wear the gopro the, wear, the wearables are going to be coming yeah, soon I mean, you well, know i mean could, people rejected can, uh, behave as if uh, behave as normal i mean we we understand you're going to have to record uh, every living moment of your life anyway so well a lot of the soldiers the are doing on, it you know people are people are kind of getting more used to first person uh, footage now mm. and you know the, the google glass thing didn't really take off because everyone was like this is really creepy and you know at some level people kind of had it, it gave people a no feeling yeah you know this google glass thing but you know remember the mobile phones i mean you maybe maybe you don't remember well but when people first got mobile phones it was yeah. kind of a bit like no i'm not gonna have a mobile phone no yeah no it, I, I had a friend who lasted until like 2002 with this you know, no i'm not no i'm not gonna yeah it, it, or, or but even taking photos of them, I, I do remember at the start Honestly, saying, sure, what, what do I need a camera? If I want to take a photograph, I'll bring a camera out. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I want to use my phone, I'll use my phone. Thinking, look at these smart arses with their taking photographs on their phone. Don't Why combine it into one handy device when I can have two bulging <laughs> exactly. pockets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, look, it was. This is all. This, this is the way all these things are now. You know, is it is it a kind of a real thing that you're watching, or is it just a thing people are doing to 
make it look that way yeah. on the cameras and is there actually any meaningful difference between those well, two things anymore that that's it, hard it to know um, City of course have uh, obviously knew they'd won the league I mean I didn't did they, they needed to win two then they needed to win one then they actually didn't need to get another point because Arsenal had just <laughs> <laughs> I just ceased Arsenal stars just stopped they declared yeah They've they declared down the tools yeah. and it was finished before they um, before they got on the pitch and, and that's how they were able to you, you know it was like oh is this the greatest bench of all time and there was like half a billion pounds worth of players sitting on the bench and actually the Chelsea bench wasn't far off either so <laughs> there was nearly a billion pounds worth of substitutes in that game um, and and City uh, were given some of the lesser lights to run out people like uh, Julian Alvarez yeah. and Phil Foden, Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez yeah. who would all get into every other Premier League team I mean is that is that true is it these three players would each be a first-team player at every other Premier League team? I mean, Maris, to be fair, is a first-team player. Maris wouldn't get into the Arsenal team, the first team. I don't I think they might find a place for Maria. Saka, Martin Saka Eddie, and Martinelli. Saka and Martinelli. Yeah. There, there are some players who have... There are some clubs, I suppose, who have players on the... You know, maybe a player on their, their level. Mm. But every every other club in the Premier League team, I think, is playing one of these guys at least in their, in their first team. Am I down? I'm downgrading. You but are downgrading like at a rate of knots. This I is mean, the this is the You don't watch um, like there's gonna be a hole in the floor underneath your chair there. But anyway. subs bench. <laughs> um but look, I mean so so uh, we've we've had complaints from people on um we had we we had complaints if you remember when Man City beat Arsenal four uh, one. Well, how can how, how did you not talk about all the you know, sure they scored four goals, but what about the hundred and fifteen charges of cheating? Um we've also had complaints about oh everyone's just talking about the cheating now. You know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I don't know if you've got any of those. To I've hand. got one here, Ken. Let's let's do an email. I've got a call here. That says you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick bag. Oh God, that's just it. I just Whoa. mentioned not you, not me. Okay, ain't nobody fucking with my click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresher than my mom. We don't normally click, broadcast all click, the, the stuff that click, comes from scum click, around the country. Click. A sort of defence of Man City by a sort of non-biased fan. Cass Crockett emails. Hi lads, as a long-time Man City supporter who has many mixed feelings about my club and the current state of English football, I understand some of the criticism of City, but I really feel a lot of it is incoherent, misleading and a little hysterical. Here's where I think the coverage of your show and everywhere else is lacking. And he helpfully separates it into three different sections. FFP. The stated purpose of FFP was to stop clubs putting themselves in financial risk of collapse. The investment in Man City was done in such a way that we are an extremely stable club and will continue to be so without any further investment. So isn't it fair to say we followed the spirit of the law, if not the letter of the law? Increased competition. If the big clubs at the time of FFP introduction had fully had their way, we'd have the same four clubs in England qualifying for the Champions League every year. The money you get from being in the Champions League would mean nobody else could ever challenge them. Shouldn't the average football fan be delighted that City's investment has shaken up English football and that there are different teams qualifying for the Champions League each season? And then footballing matters. After discussing FFP, the conversation normally moves on to the football side of things. Whether it's Miguel Delaney, Rory Smith or yourselves, City's football dominance is always explained as if they've spent 10 times more money than any other team. Our net spend since 2016 is below. Arsenal, United, Chelsea and Spurs. I can understand why fans of Bolton or West Ham might be annoyed that we're suddenly spending way more than them. But isn't it kind of petty for fans of Arsenal and Madrid to call us financial dopers because we are now spending similar amounts to them? Getting so worked up because we allegedly broke some bad faith accounting laws does seem hysterically tribal to me. <laughs> we allegedly broke some bad faith accounting laws. 
I mean, these are the, these are the rules of the company. Like you're just describing the rules as bad fate. Like you're dismissing the rules. You're like, well, we don't like those. We think those rules shouldn't be that way. So, you know, to break if if breaking these wrong rules is a crime, then we're guilty. <laughs> you know, it's like, but don't quote us on that. <laughs> yeah, like. You know, like, is there a claim there that Arsenal are spending as much money as Manchester City? Since our net spend since 2016 is below Arsenal. Our net spend is below Arsenal. What's the? Does that include uh, salaries? I'm presuming it's just transfers. Net spend is normally people use that phrase. They're talking about transfers. Yeah, there's a good there's a good reason um, for that. I mean, you know, the, 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 there's one about the we've had the same four clubs in England qualifying for the Champions League every year. Mm. The money you get from being in the Champions League would mean nobody else could ever challenge them. Um, well, that's not true. I mean, actually, the, the years of the of the biggest consistency in terms of the same clubs getting into the Champions League is, are the years before the introduction of financial fair play, mm. um, which is 2009-10. That was when they, they brought it in. So from 2010, I think, was when they started having coming into effect. So if you look at, say, the Premier League has been sending um, four teams to the Champions League since 2002-3. Mm-hmm. Um, or was it 2001-2? Um, but I was looking at this yesterday. So in 2002-3, there were three of the three of the four teams that qualified had been in the competition the previous year. They are they were at the time Manchester United, Liverpool and Arsenal. In 2004, again, three teams, uh, three out of four, had been in the competition the previous year. Uh, 2005, it's three teams. And then for the next six, uh, 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, you had four teams, the same four teams, qualifying for the Champions League every year. They were Liverpool, Arsenal, uh, Chelsea, and Manchester United. So that's actually the the time of the, the, the biggest, um, the, the most sort of stability in terms of the composition of this elite group of teams. So if anything, it appears that the introduction of financial fair play has changed that. You know, because... Uh, we've had a couple of seasons since then where, where it was the same four teams. 2013, same four teams as the year before. 2014 was the same four teams as the year before. 2019 was the same four teams as the year before. Um, but 2011 was the first year City got in. City are the only team that have been there every year since then. Mm-hmm. Right? They, every single year. They haven't, they haven't missed it a single time since they, since they first made it. You know, so... Um, uh, and since then we've had it's, but but it's not as though this has resulted in a sort of oh you know Manchester City have have broken the the tyranny that was holding everything in place and now everyone can you know Ewok United can get into the Champions League you know it's not, no it's still really it's still actually really Walk. consistent you know like I mean they, we can we've we've done it we've we've yeah. cobbled together a team you know we've, yeah, yeah. Um, no it's still. 2011, three, the same, three out of the four. 2012, three out of four. 2013, four out of four. 2014, four out of four. 15, three. 2016, three. 2017 and 18, you get a bit of a shakeup. They're the only seasons when you have two. So that, that's to say two of the teams that made it the year before didn't make it in the next season. One of them is, is because Leicester won the league, which is, you know, and then uh, the season after that was... Um, uh, wasn't it Chelsea? It was like Mourinho, the, the Chelsea collapse, which was sort of uh, what. Mm. Um, so this is, uh, and then it goes back to like four, three, 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 three. So th- it's actually been pretty stable. This is the first year. This season is the first season when you've only got one team who qualified who are going to qualify again. That's assuming Manchester United and Newcastle each manage to get a point, mm. uh, which is all they need to be mathematically sure. Um, so. 
this has actually this season has seen the biggest collapse of elite clubs you know, in terms of who was competitive last season, that there's ever been in the Premier League. The the teams in question are obviously Liverpool, Chelsea and Tottenham, all of whom have had just this really nightmarish season. You know, I mean, in different ways. The Chelsea one was probably the most interesting. Mm. (laughs) You know, the Spurs one is possibly the most disappointing. Just how can this keep getting gradually worse? Mm. You know, with Liverpool, they've had a, a bad season. But at least over the last couple of months, have shown maybe there there's something to work with. You know, they're, they're sort of ending on a on a more positive note. But it came a bit too late. Um, I, so what I'm saying is, I don't think the claim in the the email that oh this has shaken everything up. It's not. I mean, it just has replaced. Man City are just the, the team, the immovable team. Nobody can get them out of there. Cass asks, shouldn't the average football fan be delighted that City's investment has shaken up English football and that there are different teams qualifying? Well, they're, 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 I mean, as I said, it's shaken up English football to the extent that Man City now qualify every single year. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's, but that's not really shaking up English football. That's just appointing Man City to a level above every other team. And now what's one of the three other teams that's going to get in is Saudi Arabia's team. Mm. So this is actually the force that shakes up English football, we see. And the pre- I mean, the, pre- the previous big shake-up was Chelsea, which, as we can now see, was a kind of a, a state project, a mm. state-sanctioned project. You know what I mean? It was like, uh, you know, where we, we, we consider it worthwhile spending more money than has ever seemed feasible on this for reasons, you know. On the first point, if it's not fair to say we followed the spirit of FFB, if not the letter of the law. I mean, that's hilarious. Like, we, spot, we followed the spirit, not the letter. I mean, well, you're, you're deciding that. Like we we follow the. What does he say about the the, well, how, the, how, the original reason for financial fair play was, was that so clubs wouldn't hit the wall basically. Yeah, essentially, which but, yeah. Which, which, which was part of it, but also notionally anyway, it's supposed to stop clubs with limitless resources, hmm. stop clubs with massive resources, um, blowing other teams out of the water, and it's me- meant to help, as far as I recall, when this was first. This was first brought in. It was supposed to be good for the you know lesser. Well, it's meant to establish a link between spending and. And income, yeah, right. That's basically what it is. So you don't have like what ports. Remember Portsmouth, yeah. When when they had like a, a Russian guy running it, and they spent tons of money, and then he they won the FA Cup, and then he was like, actually, you know. Yeah. And then they just where like what league are Portsmouth even in now? Mm. So these or Leeds were, were obviously a classic example uh, before then, where they were spending more than they could afford, and, and ended up blowing up the club um, under Ritz. I mean, that's that's twenty years ago now. I mean, these are the kinds of things that were. Uh, that were happening, but I just think it's you know when you, when you look at that, well, FFP was meant to entrench the elite. Well, ever since it's ever since it was actually introduced, this elite that's being talked about in, the, in this email has been less entrenched. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it co- coincides almost exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't know if the if the if that point really stands just, up. But just, but you know, it's it's kind of like I've had people saying to me, oh, you know, I can't believe you. Everyone, why is everyone talking about this now? It's just for it's just about clicks, right? This is like, it's it's like the team has won the title. This is a time at which everybody is like, oh, this team has won the title. Let us salute this mm. team and their achievements. The fact is that this team has got all these charges against it, right? This, this is like a, an ongoing situation, which is going to drag on apparently for years. And this is, you're meant to just not mention this. Well, the timing question is like, like literally the entire idea of... Uh, you know, a team gets relegated, or a team qualifies for the Champions League, or a team wins the league. Is that at at the moment that that happens, you sit back and say, "How did this team achieve 
the thing they just achieved. I mean, and that's literally, it couldn't be more germane to the point. Absolutely. Like it's, is, it is a bizarre is, thing. Is it slightly, to go back to, say, footballing matters in yeah. one of the sections here, is it somewhat unfair, though, on Guardiola and his players to analyse it as though it's inevitable that they win the league every year and it's inevitable that they're going to win the Champions League, which is the way it's done. When you consider where they came from this season, and that was, I'm looking back on a piece that Jonathan Liu wrote after... Arsenal beat Manchester United. When was this? 22nd of January. And he said, Arsenal will be champions. Where is it? Arsenal will be champions. It's about time someone committed this to print. You know, this is what people were saying back then. It's months ago now. But uh, it's written up now as though it was inevitable they were going to do this. And it all feels so anticlimactic. And yet earlier this season, we don't even have to cast our minds back very far, six, seven, eight weeks ago, people were thinking Arsenal were going to win the league. Yeah, um... That was a very long way. To go back to my original thing, that basically the players and the team get no credit really from any neutrals because of the club they work for when actually the stuff they're doing is whatever about what you think of the club is pretty impressive. Yeah, no, what they're doing is incredible. You know, as as a football team, has anyone ever seen anything like these guys, anything quite like them? You know, the... Like they're, I mean, they're obviously a brilliantly coached team. We know this. All the Guardiola teams are like this. They have that quality that Barcelona and and Bayern when Guardiola coached them have, of the very fluid way that they move the ball. I mean, all all his coaching seems to be about. Whenever you hear anyone talking about his coaching, it's always he's saying, "No, you need to turn ninety degrees. You need to open your shoulder. You need to open your body." Like, this is Guardiola spent his entire life telling people they just need to turn, yeah. open out a bit, and when the ball comes, control the ball with this foot, and then pass it with this foot. You know, pass the ball to that foot with this curve on it so that he can do it a little bit uh, quicker like you know these, these saves save little seconds all over the pitch and this is what enables us to move the ball faster than anybody else but also you know what you see them doing now is actually a lot of the time they get the ball and just stop and I don't think they used to do this certainly not as much anymore but like you see a City player receive the ball and stop and wait and then he gets pressed, and then he will. Stones is particularly good at it. You'll see um, he's kind of standing there. He's almost got like his foot cocked over the ball, and he's waiting to see what the defender does. And then he just stabs without without sort of moving, without taking another touch. Stab a, a, a stationary ball, uh, pass it to an opponent like this. And this is like so. This is a response to to pressing culture, basically. You know, which wasn't as when Guardiola started. It wasn't really like his were the team. It was his team that was pressing more than anybody else. And I mean, I remember in particular was Bar- Barcelona against Arsenal um, absolutely destroying them in the Champions League in the Emirates. They were, I think they went 2-0 up quite early. Maybe they, was it the season Zlatan played for them? Um, it's 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 in the pep period. And just being blown away by the, the intensity of the game. Not, not so much the passing, the quality of the goals, but like the the... Uh, impossibility. Arsenal found it impossible to hold on to the ball against them. How are they just swarming all over us everywhere? So this has been, uh, now I'm not going to say everybody does that, but teams press now. Everybody everybody presses to some extent. And uh, you can see City reacting to this. Like uh, that, that kind of um, pausing uh, when, you, when you get the ball. I'm talking about like defenders and midfielders getting the ball and, and build up. And, not, and so the the kind of conventional way to think about it might have been oh you know quick quick yeah, move it move it fast don't give them any time don't give them any, any moment to breathe he's actually doing the opposite like in the sense of wait stop 
see what they, you know, they, they have to do something and then we take advantage of what they do. So, I mean, this is all, this is all brilliant. I just wanted know? to give Cass Crockett here something to work off, you know, some... This is brilliant. And then, you know, the, the players they've got, you know, the Kevin De Bruyne is consistently a brilliant footballer. Bernardo Silva can do absolutely everything. You know, um, Grealish uh, is, is like playing really well. I feel like I'm back to my villa self, I saw him saying, you know, because I always drag him over to the interviews. Um, and then you've got Haaland who's just like, what? I'm like... What are we even looking at here? What is this, you know? Um, I mean, it was with Haaland, wasn't it? I can't remember if it was Match of the Day or Sky. We one of the kind of posts. M- Michael Richards, by the way, on both. He was so knackered. How are you on Match of the Day it's a lot too of again? To, to he, is, he is a pundit who does rely on high energy levels. Yeah. It's fair to say. But, um, you know, is it is Haaland, uh, is it, you know, his pace, his power, his, his finishing, his movement, his, his intelligence... You know, what is it? And it's like, well, obviously, it's all of those things. You know, they're kind of inseparable. What makes him unique is the level to which he's got, like, these outstanding attributes all combined in one uh, in one player uh, of, a, of a, a kind of a new type or, like, a, a kind of a, a version of an old type that's so new. It, feel, it feels like a kind of, we've never seen anything like this before. But it's kind of the same thing with the club as well, you know? I mean, it's like... Brilliant coaching, wonderful players. They're all here at the, in the same room. Isn't that something? You know, what a, what a job they've done in the back office to get all these guys in the one room. You know what I mean? And then there's these 115 charges. Well, there's always going to be haters when you hit this kind of yeah. success. But it's, it's sort of like, yeah, these things are actually, there's a link there. There's, there's a relationship between these things. I mean, when Jonathan Lee wrote that article, um, January 22nd, I think you yeah, said. Yeah. So that City were having a bit of a struggle then, post-World Cup. Um, you know, they had more players involved in the World Cup than uh, than any anyone else because of that eye for mm-hmm. for talent that they have which to a higher level than anybody, any other team. And uh, there was a bit of a struggle. Things were malfunctioning. A couple of dodgy results. Um, and then the dramatic moment of the season uh, in terms of Guardiola's man management, let's say, of the City squad, the defenestration of Joao Cancelo. Mm. Joao Cancelo, who we'd all got used to thinking of, oh, Cancelo, you know, what a what a super brain he is. This guy is like, he's he really just makes everything tick, you know? Uh, and he's got Grealish there just giving him the ball all the time, you know, just passing the ball back to your your ball, sir. And then Cancelo does something. And so he'd become a really important player, but had not been performing, uh, was struggling a bit with the, you know, Pep is, is looking to try and how am I going to, uh, what's the system? I, I'm, I'm, I, he's looking for a system which enables him to have Haaland's, you know, running riot, but also control the games and not leave themselves open to the counter which he, which he hates uh, and Cancelo was struggling with this remember Cancelo was playing uh, on the right was it against Chelsea played really badly got subbed off at half time has a row with Guardiola Guardiola boots him out of club and that is a luxury that not a lot of other managers have you know it's it's ruthless it's great man management you know he's uh, it's pour encourager les autres you know let's uh, uh, fuck out Joao Cancelo and then look into the eyes of everyone else in the dressing room and right. say, anyone else want to go with Any Joao? of you mugs fancy a go with the big man? Yeah. Anyone? 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 No? All right, gentlemen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so so, the, so all I'm saying is this is like, 
a lot of other managers might have had to try and fit Joao Cancelo into, <laughs> into the system instead of just booting him. But you know, this is again, it's all it's all linked, like like Haaland's strength and power and movement and intelligence and insight into the game and all of those things. They're all sorts of they're all part of the same organism. So it's difficult to sort of consider the one, um, you know, the the uh, the, the brilliance uh, without. Looking also at how how are they able to do this? You know, I mean, there was that there was, there was that uh, piece done a while ago by um, uh, John Byrne Murdoch in the Financial Times, um, which uh, I mean, this this was in February, I think, and and his piece was about um, you know in football, there's like a, a a link between he. I think he starts off the piece by saying something like, "Oh, you know." The, the Lineker quote about football, you, you run, 22 men run around for 90 minutes and at the end the Germans win. And he's like, well, uh, you know, it's actually 22 men run around for hours. And then uh, the team with the bigger wage bill wins. Um, you know, because of, because of the very close yeah. link that's been established between the amount you're spending on the wages of the players and the success that you have in terms of points. Um, and then produced uh, uh, a couple of graphs which really were striking to look at. Um, one of them showing... Uh, the performance of uh, Premier League clubs uh, in the period 2015 to 2023, um, which is to say most of, though not all, of the Guardiola era. There was Pellegrini was was there for the first season of that. And it's, and it's a line that shows um, the, the trend line showing the relationship between the average points the team gets and the uh, amount of money that you're spending on salary. So what you get is a curve that goes up, you know, mm-hmm. there it is, Owen. There's the there's the curve. So right down the, in this bottom, uh, you know, towards the left, we see Cardiff City overperforming their tiny wage budget. Huddersfield slightly underperforming theirs. Remember Everybody's going to have to imagine this. Jurgen Klopp's mate. And then it goes up, you know, and, and the more you spend, the more points you get. Uh, uh, and up the top, we've mm-hmm. got Arsenal slightly overperforming in this period. Chelsea and Liverpool spending similar amounts overperforming slightly. Manchester United spending more than them, but underperforming. And way up here at the top, uh, appearing to inhabit an entirely separate realm of of mathematics (laughs) is Manchester City, right? who who are like way outperforming their budget Mm -hmm. by a margin that that nobody else can get close to. So what's going on there? Mm. Careful husbandry of their financial resources is what it looks like to me. There's another one there. Uh, You know, average number of of points per season above the number predicted based on wage bills. Again, this would be better if you could see the graph. But just trust me, uh, again, we've got um, some teams do better, uh, you know, are better, are more efficient at converting Mm. spend into points. Um, The second most efficient team is Brighton, you know, followed by Tottenham. This is 2015 to 2023. Uh, For a lot of the time, Tottenham were were punching with their way. Uh, Leeds, Liverpool, Watford, we're going down. you know, in in the bottom, in in the lower part of this, teams that are, are you know, seem to be Cut wasting to the some here, money. Come on. Manchester United are there, Aston Villa, Sunderland, Swansea, Norwich. But again, right up the top, in that, in, in a sort of completely different league, it's like there's different rules are applying to this. It's Man City, mm. averaging 15 points, uh, overperforming by an average of 15 points compared to what you would expect. Yeah, careful husbandry of their financial resources. I said it a minute ago. Yeah, no, I mean this is this is like. Um, one one explanation for that is obviously this, this is this is the Guardiola effect. What you're seeing there is the Guardiola effect. This is what happens when you've got a genius who's got a level of in, like that's his level of insight is 
it's a, it's a, it's just Worth 15 a, points a season. He's working on a different paradigm, but I'll leave it to John Byrne Murdoch to to spell out what these um, the the questions the, this graph uh, is uh, is leading towards. Such an extreme divergence from the historical trend raises an obvious question: How have they managed to reach a level of performance that would typically be associated with a team spending tens of billions more? One possibility is that just like other more modest overperformers, Brighton and Liverpool City have mastered the arts of data-driven recruitment to maximise the on-pitch value of every pound they spend. The additional factor of employing arguably the best coach in the world, Pep Guardiola, provides a substantial extra boost. This is certainly plausible. Since Guardiola's arrival, the citizens have been the best-performing team in the league every year across a raft of different metrics. However, among the more than 100 allegations of financial rule-breaking level at City by the Premier League last month is a more ominous possible explanation of the club's outside success that it could have been paying some of its playing and coaching staff additional fees not disclosed in its account. In its accounts, to be clear, the club has denied any wrongdoing. The statistics presented here prove, provide the what, not the why, or the how. But for as long as the Premier League allows a meritocracy to become a plutocracy, its integrity and credibility will be in jeopardy. Um, so the the argument there is that actually this Man City dot, which you see floating way above the trend line, should actually be over here on the trend line, just sort of you know a little further bit further along. over to the right. So that would be the that's that, that's the suggestion that's raised by these uh, numbers that um, that John Bernard Murdoch supplied now. It's it's difficult to really uh, separate this again, you know. So I'm sorry. I, I know there are people like, oh, I can't believe you're talking about this. How can you not talk about it? You know, it's just it's like if this is this is happening again and again. You know, they're, if they're if they're winning the league again and again in a way that like Arsenal have really made this season look a lot better than it, would, than it otherwise would. These other teams are sort of collapsing. That never seems to happen here. You know what I mean? They don't seem to go through that that collapse phase mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that we've seen so yeah I just I find it hard to um, to understand how uh, how you're not supposed to, to mention this just to mention again Manchester City deny all these charges and uh, they are they welcomed the review of the matter by the independent commission so we have to see how that plays out as well yeah they, they said there was a comprehensive body of irrefutable evidence that would um essentially clear them of uh, of these charges. So it would be great if they could bring that forward now because this is kind of hanging over everything. And, you know, is it is it destroying the league? Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, I had an incredible evening of watching sport, I have to say, on Saturday. Uh, well, I admired you, Ken. You were texting me about the Liverpool game. And our- well, no, I responded to a... I responded to a text... That uh, read something like, wow, this yeah. is amazing. Wow, so exciting. This is... Absolutely unbelievable. Sent what, at uh, what, what, 4.56. Just 10 minutes after the start of the most dramatic Champions Cup final of all time. Ken then gets back on touch going, yeah, amazing. Uh, you know. Well, I thought they were talking about Firmino. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was, Simon, it was Simon Hick and Mark Organ. I thought... Yeah, well, they are oh, super, super red. Super they, they both, yeah, super it was red. just as Firmino scored. They were like, oh, yeah. wow. You know, so I thought that's what they were talking about. Um, but of course, there was this rugby game on. So I did switch over to it. Mm. And I have to say, I'm, I'm glad that I did so. I really am glad that I why, did so. Why is that? Because you saw such a thrilling uh, uh, display of the best of rugby football. I saw it because I saw Irish sporting history. Mm. You know? I, I, think it's up, I think it's the top. I think it's the top one. I think it's the number one. I've, I've got some friends who love rugby. Mm-hmm. They always say things to me like, if Ireland win the World Cup, it will be the greatest achievement in the history of Irish sport. They say, th- they say these yeah, things. Yeah. Um, and it's with those people in mind that I have to hand the crown for the biggest bottle job. 
in the history of Irish sport. <laughs> At last, you are deservedly top of one of these lists. You stayed very quiet during the rugby podcast, Ken, despite being on air for some of it. So it's all coming out now. Mm. I just uh, well, he knew he was he was it, speaking this, to a different audience than the other show. Yeah. He knows more, he's a more very safe this, crowd here. Set and says. setting, you know, everything yeah. was there. You know, it was all there. The great and the good of Dublin were all mm. there to see this. Everyone was there. You know, you the Lancerites looked Every up the crowd. I'd say they in recog- a fifteen mile radius of Lansdowne Road. <laughs> I'd say they recognised like half the faces. This celebrity crowd there to see. Uh, a moment of history. It was incredible. But then I was, I was thinking, I mean, Arsenal, it was obviously Arsenal, there was Nottingham Forest, there was Bayern. Bayern uh, completely blew up uh, at home. You know, they uh, they lost to Leipzig. They're going to lose the league now because Dortmund surely, surely can't bottle it again. They can't, they've already done it twice. It can't happen again. Right? I just looked at the Bundesliga <laughs> table. They're playing, they're both playing the teams in ninth and 10th in, yeah. ma- in an 18 team league. So it's literally like lads couldn't be more on the beach than <laughs> Cologne and Mainz well it's Mainz uh, the, you know uh, so it's a Tuchel Klopp um, Dortmund Mainz uh, derby to win the to win the league to win the first uh, title I mean I was thinking how great is this for, for a guy like Marco Royce you know he joined Dortmund in 2012 and they just won the league twice in a row and every single season since then it's just been Bayern winning the league and him getting injured over and over and over and over and over again and it's finally going to happen. And it's and what happened to Bayern this season is is one of the great stories. Like you know, well, the Nagelsmann thing, right in the middle mm-hmm. of it. Just like you know, then the, the side of these guys, Khan and Sally Hamasic, sitting there having concocted this total mess. And you know, Tuchel is kind of like really damaged by this now. And I and I can't really see him. I'm not sure he's going to be there much longer. You know, this this whole, they, they brought him in, he was going to be like the, oh, you know, now when he was doing okay, but we didn't really like him. Um, and this guy is going to deliver, and he's just kind of failed on all fronts. Um, so, uh, but that wasn't uh, the biggest thing. What, what, I, what I did think on, though, was, you know, for all the people who talk about the city charges and the toxic effect of that loss of trust and blah, 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 there isn't really any humiliation gener- generator like sport. Right? Mm. Every it just produces these images of humiliation uh, to savor for you know it's um, it's it's a nasty it's a nasty thing. Well, but there I, are, I, there, I, there I are a lot feeling... of M- Munster Raj fans certainly enjoying Lancer's humiliation, for example. That's what it's all about, you know. But it's like Arsenal's humiliation, Bayern's humiliation. You know, uh, Leinster's humiliation. Like this is what it, this is what it's all about. You know, serve up some more meat. <laughs> you know, like to be to be slaughtered, and that's what it's doing. And, and, and sport will never lose that wonderful power that it has. Um, but the one other thing I want to talk about here is the uh, well, what was happening in La Liga last night, which has turned into uh, an an international incident. So. Um, this stuff with uh, Vinicius Junior has been happening all season in mm. Spain, where he's been racially abused by uh, fans of various clubs. There was a particularly uh, bad example of it with Atletico Madrid, um, but it's happened in, in a lot of places. Now he went to he was playing at Valencia last night. Valencia in a bit of trouble relegation wise. Valencia won the game one nil, so they seem to be. Uh, kind of out of that. But the main thing that was happening was the game was interrupted because Vinicius was protesting against the um, racist abuse that he was getting from the stands. Now, he, at one point, he even went over to point out an individual in the stands who he said was racially abusing him. Um, 
the, the, so there was a couple of stoppages for this. The game goes to uh, injury. It's it's like virtually injury time. Valencia winning 1-0. Um, Madrid get a free kick, don't score. Um, the, ball, the goalkeeper saves it, I think. But the, what happens then is as the ball is going, there's going to be a corner. A scuffle then develops involving like most of the players. And this goes on and it's kind of chaotic and you don't know what's happening. Uh, and eventually it's sort of pulled apart. And, and then uh, the referee is going, I think he booked Vinicius at, at this point, goes over to the VAR, sees, and what the VAR shows him is Vinicius turning and lashing out with his hand at Hugo Duro, the uh, Valencia player, who flops to the ground as though, you know, in the, the, in usual, the, in the yeah. time-honoured uh, manner. Uh, so the referee then goes back and sends off Vinicius. What the Vieira did not show him was that this same Hugo Duro had, for the previous 10 seconds, been holding Vinicius in a rear-naked choke, uh, elbow around, uh, uh, you know, mm. arm around the throat to, put, you know, Pulling him back from involvement. Now, I'm sorry, but you can't do that. You cannot do that, right? And if Vinicius then turns around, when, mm. when he's finally released from this grip, you know, a choke which can render you unconscious, you know, if, if, if done properly, uh, th- this is to defuse the situation, I suppose. If he then turns around and lashes out this guy, I can, I can understand that. I can understand. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be sent off for it because, you know, letter of the law, you do that, then that's going to be a red card. But the whole situation with him being baited by the crowd, racially abused, the match being stopped, the, the, the referee, has, as Anshali pointed out, uh, brought the, the uh, introduced opened the protocol for to, for racism um and then he's the guy sent off after var show like a stitch up of not not actually showing the incident this is incredible so vinicius goes on um twitter and starts talking about uh, this is not the first time nor the second nor the third racism is considered normal in the league the competition considers it normal the federation considers it normal the rivals encourage it the championship that once belonged to Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Cristiano and Messi today belongs to the racists a beautiful nation which welcomed me and which I love but which it now has accepted to export to the world the image of a racist country I'm sorry for those Spaniards who disagree but today in Brazil Spain is known as a country of racists I'm, str- I'm strong and I will go all the way against the racists even if it is far away from here um, Ancelotti says what we saw today is unacceptable an entire stadium chanting racist slurs I asked him if he wanted to keep playing and he stayed in the game La Liga have a problem here for me Vinicius is the most important player in the world La Liga has a problem these episodes of racism has to, have to stop he's in his press conference doing um, talking about this a journalist I saw arguing with him at length though the fans weren't saying mono mono which is monkey mm. they were saying tonto tonto which is dumbass you're stupid uh, you know uh, and Shorty says, well, if they're saying that, why did the ref uh, introduce the uh, racism uh, protocol? Maybe you need to ask him about this. Real Madrid have put out a, a statement saying, we, you know, we strongly... Uh, they say, we strongly condemn the events that took place yesterday against our player, Vidicius Jr. These events represent a direct attack on the social and democratic model of coexistence of our state based on the rule of law. Real Madrid believes such attacks also constitute a hate crime and has therefore filed a corresponding report with the Attorney General's office uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, what's happened now is that... Uh, Tabas, uh, the uh, head of the league, said, oh, well, you know, you, uh, yeah, we already made two dates to talk to you about racism. You didn't turn up. So, you know, what you, what are you complaining about, Vinicius? You know what I mean? Basically sort of putting it back on uh, the player. But what's, what's very unusual about this situation, and why I say that it's an international incident, is that you now have the president of Brazil, uh, Lula, who's at, who's at the conference in, uh, in Hiroshima, I think, um, saying, calling out La Liga, um, saying, 
it's a, it's a disgrace. Uh, their poor boy who is winning, w- winning in his life, becoming the, one of the best in the world, certainly the best at Real Madrid, is insulted in every stadium he goes to. Um, we must not allow racism and fascism to take over in the sports. This is the president of Brazil's yeah. uh, calling out a league. Uh, Brazil's human rights minister calls the Spanish authorities and the entities that govern its soccer criminal. Undeniable acceptance of racism. Vinicius, I will be on your side to hold us to attack you accountable. The mayor of Rio de Janeiro uh, is calling uh, Javier Tebas a clown. Um, the president of the Brazilian uh, Soccer Confederation uh, also put out a statement. Uh, practically every club in Brazil has posted a statement um, supporting Vinicius here. I saw uh, Kylian Mbappe doing this. Uh, Richarlison said they always did whatever they could to stop the blacks from coming into the top. They enslaved, marginalized, and killed, but they will never knock down those who were born to be big. History forgets the rats and makes those fighting these bad people much bigger. I'm with you always, Vinny. So this is one of the biggest um, biggest sort of racism uh, scandals I've ever seen. I mean, Valencia, I say, Valencia said we, we've... Uh, We've got rid of the two, or we've arrested two people, or banned two people. Who the two people who were doing? It's like you can hear the people in the crowd. Like this, I was at Valencia before and saw uh, an episode like this in two thousand two. I was in the city and they happened to be playing Liverpool in a Champions League game and went along to this, and it was incredible. I mean, this is this is more than twenty years ago, but there was uh, in the Liverpool team uh, El Haji Juf, Emil Heskey, Salaf Jao. Um, I think they had four black players on the team. I can't remember the, the who the four were. But what I do remember is every time any one of them touched the ball, hearing ooh, 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 from like huge uh, sections of this stadium, they could say, oh, you know, things have, that's 20 years ago, things have changed. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it. And they don't really take it seriously. And when you see these people are arguing, well, no, this guy, Vinicius, you know, why don't they, why don't, why doesn't it happen to all the black players? Well, actually, I have seen it happen to just people for being black in Valencia. I have seen that myself. Um, Maybe they're saying it doesn't happen as much as it did in 2002. I don't know. But it's still happening. Um, I mean, this is this is a massive embarrassment for Spain. It's a huge embarrassment for La Liga. Um, is it naive to think that this maybe is a, a moment where things change? That this, this becomes such an international... Well, I mean, it, it, it has to, really. Because, I mean, this is, this is you know... I, I think this just... What would, it, what would need to happen in order for them to take action, if not this? Yeah. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thank, thank you, you, Ken. Owen, thank you, Kieran. Thanks for listening. There's loads of good stuff in the World Service this week. All episodes are ad-free if you mm. sign up on secondcast.com. The Second Secondcast podcast, it's also part of something, Murph, a community. Uh, it, it's um, Now, it's called a, the Acast. The Acast Creator Network is what it's called, On That's the name of it now. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.